Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we are going to pick up in verse 8, we are going to finish this study tonight. And, and I hope that, you know, in days and months to come, we recall this journey with Solomon and all that we've been able to learn. And in spite of any shortcomings on the, the teaching part, we, we have read through this and, and we have studied some good things in here. And I pray that it is a very good help to all of us. Because the Lord took Solomon through an experience after he had made the decisions that he made and, and had him to share that experience with you and I for our good. This great level of wisdom that Solomon had. He went out and he used it for the wrong thing. I mean, he had, he had wisdom... He had all the time, he had all the resources, he had power, he had authority, and Solomon used it to go diving into an extensive search for satisfaction outside of God. What, what does the world have to offer us? Solomon went out into the world and he, he looked to have happened to him what everyone wants. We all want contentment in life. We all want to be fulfilled. We all want to be satisfied. And there's a lie out there that says the world will bring you that. And things can go along decent for a short, short time. And then you fall off the cliff out there in the world. It does not give what it promises. And, and as we are to take these words that God gave Solomon to give to us from his experience, let's understand this. His search was much deeper than ours could ever get to. Look at the wealth he had. Look at the ability he had to take what he was and have a more broad search for contentment from the world, happiness, pleasure, satisfaction from the world, than any of us all together could come up with. I mean, he went on quite a search. And he, he strived to wisely discover a satisfied life. And, and, and as I'm about to say this, I think of what human beings do over and over and over again. What they get involved in, what they think will make them happy. Solomon's search consisted of wealth, wine, women, good works, and any worldly pleasures he could go out and find and experience. And the result of his experience 
in all of these different areas which are still around today. It's the same old neon lights from the world. It's the same old whisper from the world full of empty promises for satisfaction. After Solomon's experience, he describes it in many different words and and what we learn by him trying to be happy, fulfilled in the world, it was futile for him. To go out apart from God and to find it somewhere else, it was futile, it was grievous, it was sorrowful. How about this? It was without purpose. This wise man's testimony provided by God for us and to us is that nothing outside of God gives satisfaction. He searched for it with money, with wisdom, with power. More than we ever would possess. But he went on to tell us that God's wisdom and God's ways are better than man's. To discover God's purpose for our lives and to live in His will. It's the only place that we are going to find true lasting satisfaction. You know, he, he really opened up about his life and his experience and God had him to do that. And it, it's God's Word. And he, he used that experience for our benefit. Because it's the same desire that will come over every single one of us in the flesh. To go out and do that. So this is for our benefit. And he starts ending the message here. Verse verse 8 through the end. He starts ending the message just as he began this book. In chapter 1 verse 2. He gets started right off. And he says, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Chapter 12 and verse 8. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Vanity. Solomon uses this word 37 times. We know what his his search was. We know what his experiment was. And he says vanity more than three times Per chapter out of 12 chapters. Vanity means emptiness. You might say a puff of wind, a vapor. I, I like to say cotton candy. I'm not the first one to do that. That's not mine. Many preachers have described vanity by cotton candy. But the first time I heard it, it made me think about. I had, I guess I had a simple childhood and I, I got a chocolate bar from Dewey's around the corner every now and then. But I went to Astroworld and they had this stuff called cotton candy. And I had never seen it before. And, and man, all these kids had it and, and I got cotton candy. And I put it up to my mouth and I, I thought I was putting a spider web 
up to my mouth. I, I'm eight or nine years old, the first time I ever had cotton candy. And then all of a sudden, just, just like people say about cotton candy, I was like, where did it go? I was a, I was a little messed up on the spider web feel, but then I kept on because I saw other kids doing it. I wanted to look cool. I didn't want to look weird, so I, so I kept on. And it was just gone. There, there was no satisfaction in my stomach from it. it it's, it's like it was just vanishing and going away. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. All is vanity. How often do we get tripped up and fooled by it, fooled by the world, or, or caught up in something that seems like fun for a while, and, and next thing you know, there's, there's nothing to show for it. It hasn't helped. It's scarred. Vanity. A puff of wind. Solomon wanted to make sure, as God led him, that we get the message that aiming to fulfill an emptiness apart from God, it cannot happen. I mean, God's clear in His Word here. It's absolute. He tried it. Again, I say, in a more thorough attempt than you and I could, Solomon did. And 37 times, vanity, vanity. We can't be satisfied outside a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't. Verse 9, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. We've studied the message here of a wise preacher, Solomon. Very wise. He has learned and now he is teaching what he has learned. And... And this was a, something that Solomon took very serious in, in putting it together and, and studying and, and the way he brought it about as we've looked at it. And, and I tell you what, I'll never forget the first time I, I read all the way through it. I was at my house and I, I read through it three times. And it had quite an impact after I read it. The writing is very beautiful here. And, and he pondered and he meditated the teaching of this book. He searched for just the right words to use in his teaching. He, he, you, you imagine him with outlines and, and organizing the, the different, not chapters, man put chapter in here, it was, it was just one long letter, but, but him organizing every point that he got to. We, we've looked in this and we've, we've gathered different points. We've, we've taken just certain verses together that make a point and he studied to do that. He, he put a lot of effort into this as God led him. Led him. To say all that he has said in a certain order. He tried to say as much as possible in the shortest amount of words that he possibly could. Look at verse 10 
we continue in, in his preparation and, and what he said and how he said it and the, the thought he put into uh, what he was saying as God blessed him and used it. It says, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words. Solomon had a focus on preparing this in such a way, he didn't want it just falling off the ears. He didn't want it going in one ear and, and out the other. He, he wanted the words that he was saying and the truths he was trying to get across, he was wanting them to be desired. He was wanting us to hang on every word that he was teaching. He wanted it to really be received. He worded things in, in such a way because He wanted us to hear and to learn and to study this truth. He wanted us to be all caught up in it. He, want, he, want, he wants us to go to this over and over and over. When the world tempts us, when something comes our way, maybe a little prosperity comes our way. I'm talking about, you know, material prosperity maybe. I, I hope it does come your way some. I hope some good things like that do come your way. But yet over and over, we need to make sure that God has first place and that we can give Him praise for these things. Who can prosper? Who can have some blessings, you know, monetarily or, or, or in some way come their way, and, and God is still their God, and, and, and realize that you're nothing without God? Who, who can have some things and not trust them, but trust the Lord continually? So, so he wanted this truth to be learned and studied and, and, and obeyed. It's, it's written in such a way to draw us in, to draw our interest in it. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words that, that the people would just steadily receive throughout, throughout this whole book. And, and look at the end of verse 10. And that which was written was upright even words of truth. Okay, he, he sought to find acceptable words to use. He, he wanted it to be something agreeable in a sense, or, or something that, that just made us hang on every word, uh, smooth as he, as he wrote it, and the truth getting to us and us really receiving it. He wanted to do that, but also he was not going to do any compromising of the truth. I guess the preacher always tells a little joke that he wears it out with the people. And there's always, there's always a few new people who have never heard about the, about the bear and the hunter who, uh, you know, in the compromising situation. The, there, was a, there was a man that, that wanted breakfast. No, there's a man that wanted a fur coat and a bear that wanted breakfast. And the bear said, come on, come on in my cave and we'll talk about it. They both got what they wanted. There's always a... Not everybody gets that at first. That's okay, though. I didn't either the first time. Especially when I messed it up like that. But there was no compromising of the truth. He sought acceptable words, but, but he was going to give the truth. 
And he wasn't, he wasn't going to compromise on the truth. He didn't dilute or water down the truth. You know, some preachers maybe would wish for a more flowery speech when, when they speak. And, you know, you got to be careful with that. You don't want it to get so flowery and sweet that, that the truth is missed out on. We, we need to share the truth. And the truth's going to do the job. The power's not in the preacher, it's in what he's teaching. It's in what he's preaching. And, and, so, and so he didn't dilute or water down the truth in order to make the message desired by others. But he spent a lot of time meditating on the truth and how he could best deliver truth and that it would be desired and taken in. Verse 11, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. I don't have a verse penned because it just comes to my mind that, that I would like to read, and it's, it's Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is quick, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What an effectual word the Word of God is. The Word of God will change our lives. The Word of God is very effective. And so here he, he says the words of the wise are his goads, and then he, he mentions uh, nails here. Words are very important. The selection of words and the way he used them. He had a particular process, and he says the words are as goads. The, a goad is, is an instrument used to guide an ox. It would prodding and the poking of the ox to, to guide the ox. And, and there are certain words that he used. And he said them a certain way that it, that it would poke us, that it would prod us and guide us in the right direction. Guide us away from the lies and the whispers of all the worldliness and the fame and the, the fortune of this world and, and thinking it's a dream life and I would love to have that. No, you don't. You want a life in God. That's what satisfies. Certain words said a certain way to, to excite us. To excite us to serve. Effectual. That get our attention. That move us into action. You know, we're, we're not going to live the Christian life on our own. We're not going to do it. And if we're not having some time in the Word of God... Daily, continually, then the Christian life is not going to be what it should be because God intends that we be in His Word. The psalmist said, It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're walking around in the dark without the Word of God. Thank God we have it. Thank God how effectual and guiding and how wonderful these instructions are. Wise words are like nails. We don't use too many nails anymore, do we? We use, we use a drill and, and, a, and, a, and 
screws. How many nails do you use building a house, brother? You still use nails? Regular nails? Hammer and nails? Huh? Well, nail gun. Yeah, okay, nails in that way. My dad, I still have my dad, all my dad's manual tools, and, and I'll be using manual tools, and, and if somebody's with me, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> We've got this, I've got a drill motor with a light on it. <laughs> you can't even see that nail. I, I'm not up with all of that stuff, as maybe I should be, but I have all my dad's old manual tools, but I've nailed many a nail with him, and it feels good when when those two boards suck up to one another, the more you nail, they're, they're drawing in and they're making a tight fit. It, it, feel, it feels good. It doesn't feel good in my joints and bones to hammer anymore. I do have a drill motor. I use that some, but it, but it, feels, it, it feels good to draw the wood together. And, and it's the same way when, the, when these key words hit us in a certain way and, and, and it draws a point together for us and it draws two truths together that Solomon's trying to get across. And, uh, the, and it makes sense to us and, and the light comes on. I'll never forget Granddaddy teaching me a certain truth and he taught it over and he must have taught it to me 60 times. And he saw something in my eyes. I guess the first 59 times he saw nothing in my eyes. And then he said, the light just came on. You just got it, didn't you? And then, and then I said it back to him. He said, yeah, you finally got it. How wonderful it is when, when things come together in truth from the Word of God. And so that, that was Solomon's art. He was depending on God to use him to create here. That, that, that we get this. Verse 11 says, The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of the assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. You know, there's a, there's a lot of foolish words that come from the wisdom of this world. Man, you, we can hear a lot of foolishness out in the world. But true, beneficial, wise words, they come from God. There are no words like God's words. I don't, there is no way this is not God's word. There are no words like these words. There is no book like this book. There is no effect on a life like what can come from the word of God. This is God in written form. Oh, may we not neglect it. There are no words like the words you find in God's Word. Verse 12, And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Books are good. There, there, there are a lot of good books out there. there. There are some good commentaries out there. There are, there are some terrible books out there. Terrible spiritual related books out there. But, there, but there's some good ones. But there, there, there are no books like the book. The Word of God. God breathed this book. I, I believe He breathed it. Just like His Word says. Man, man couldn't mess it up if he wanted to. Look at all God created. I'm kind of going off for a second. But, but look through nature. 
And, and look how the, the sun, moon, and the stars, He keeps everything suspended in the sky. And, and to think that, oh no, man has tampered with the Word of God. It is not what, we can't trust it. This is God getting a Word to us. There's nothing else. This is it. If God has expectations from us, if there's something that we were to do, and we can't rely on this, there's nothing else. So therefore, if we go before God, and, and He's expecting something of us that we wouldn't know, God is unfair. And that's a whole messed up situation. He's not. He's not. Almighty God can get His Word to us. He can get a Word to us, what He wants us to know, exactly like He wants us to have it. And He did that. He did that. Many men have tried to burn this book. People have tried to destroy the Bible. Some have hoped to outlive the Bible. They're not. His Word shall never pass away. There's good books, but no books are ever as important as the Scripture. Listen to what... Listen to what Paul, older preacher Paul, said to young preacher Timothy. Second uh, 2 Timothy 3.15 And that from a child. Okay, Paul's talking to Timothy, okay? And he's helping him out with ministry. He's, he's a preacher. And he's going to move forward preacher, preaching. The time of Paul's departure is it's coming up. And he, he knows he's going to glory. And he wants to help this young preacher out. And he says, And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration, it means God breathed it. This all Scripture is God-breathed, by, given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It, so, so it teaches us, and it convicts us, and reproves us, but it also, for correction, it also gives us instruction, it, it teaches us, it, it corrects us, it gives us instruction, and then uh, for inst it shows us the way to go, and then it says for instruction in righteousness, that we can be that we can be taught, that we can be convicted, that that we can have uh, help to turn it around and and to have shown what we need to do, and then to be able to move forward. That's what the word of God is doing for us. It's not just telling us we're wrong and that's it. That was reproof. But it goes on to correction. To be able to correct it. And to be able to move forward to live for God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I'd, I don't need to rely on a sign. 
I don't need to rely on God to speak audibly to me. He never has. Yet, the way He talks to us through His Word, it's louder than if it were audible. The Word of God is God speaking clearly to us. Wise old Paul to young Timothy. What does he have to say to him to help him as a, as a preacher to lead and to shepherd? Stick with the Scriptures, Timothy. Stick close to the Scriptures. Depend on the Word of God. Oh, the, the, the psychology professors and the sociology professors and, and, and all of the wise of the world... They're out there saying a whole lot of different things. There are a lot of people who claim to have a lot of uh, human intelligence and smarts, and they, and they want to share it, and they want to try to guide with it. But 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I haven't left enough time to close this up. Let's try to close this up, though. Verses 13 and 14. Let me go ahead and read them together. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Think think about His journey. Think about His experiment that God wanted us to have. Here's His conclusion. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God... I'll, I'll get to verse 14 in a minute. Fear God. I'll never forget the prison preacher who, who came to a highfalutin church and, and, and he, he was out there on the basketball court and, and his message was investigate God. And, and, and that's what some people need to do. Solomon, he sums it all up with fearing God investigate God, look into God. There's so many who have so many questions about this and that, and, and, the, and there, there are questions in the Bible that, that they want answered clearly on this and that matter. Investigate all of God. Discover what we can f- from Him, which will have us to be in awe of Him. We're, we're not going to be in overwhelming awe and reverence Uh, of His majesty without learning to fear Him, without investigating Him and fearing Him. The safest, wisest, best place to be is under the authority of God. To fear God is to want to submit to His authority. How do we know we, we fear God? Because whatever God says to do, I know it's the right thing to do, and I'm going to trust Him to help me to do it. I want to do whatever God says. Respect Him, submit to Him, honor Him, glorify Him. That's the attitude of fearing God. The, the, the worldly intelligence out there, the money, the power, the talent. It, somebody can have all of that, but if they do not fear God if they do not fear God and keep His commandments, it's a miserable failure. It's the whole duty of the human being to fear God and keep His commandments. Verse 14, and we'll close. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There's a payday someday. There are going to be rewards. There's going to be some regret. 
To fear God and keep His commandments, that brings a good judgment. We're all going before the judgment seat of Christ one day. We're going to be judged by God one day. To fear God and keep His commandments, it's a good judgment. It's a positive thing that we're going to be judged by God. If we fear Him and keep His commandments, there's going to be a suffering of loss. In 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 3 and 15, it says, it says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Wow, if a man's works are burned, he's going to be saved. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works. But look here in... uh, Or listen to what I just said. If any man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. The child of God is going to suffer some loss when we get to heaven. And, and some people say, well, that's just the lack of rewards. There, we don't do everything God wanted us to do. And, and so, well, the, one, the way one deacon told me that maybe we'll stand before God and, and we might have our rewards here and we might see a bigger pile of rewards over there and, and we might ask, what's that? And, and he'll say, oh, that's what you could have had. But, you know... We're all going to suffer loss, and, and that's part of the, We're all going to have a lack of reward of what we could have had, and that's part of it. But I don't, I don't just take it that that's all of it as to what's going to happen at, at, at judgment when we go to heaven. I'm not sure what all is involved there, but, but I would like for all of us to have the best outcome possible. Just like Solomon wanted. Just like God wanted to use Solomon so that we would have the best outcome possible. Fear God and keep His commandments. Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God. Well, we've, we've learned. I hope we've learned. In spite of me, I hope we've learned what is involved in you and I getting what we want. Because we want a content, fulfilled, satisfied life. And don't trust in all of the stuff of this world. Trust in the Lord. Fear Him. Keep His commandments. Walk with God. Brock Bullard, close our Bible study in a word of prayer, brother.